All right. We should be live. What's happening? Welcome to the That Being Said podcast with the Jarjour Brothers, the Seattle Super Podcast edition after a big Seahawks win. I'm your co-host, Sammy Jarjour. And I'm George Jarjour. We're coming at you live and direct, man. What a win. I was this should we just jump? I'm jumping right into it. Sammy, I was telling you before this podcast, before recording right now, like this is why football is the world's greatest sport. A regular season game that was basically do or die. And we did it. Like the anticipation for the game was great. The stakes for the game couldn't have been higher. And the Seahawks went out and did it. And that's why football is the greatest sport. We're seven and three now. We control our own destiny. We still play, I think, both New York teams. So you can probably mark down two wins if you want. I know the Giants are playing good. I'm just happy. I just saw this, I just saw this Joe Fan tweet right now. Shout out to Joe Fan, a uh, friend of the show. Um, first of all, Seahawks have never lost in Lumen Field. Good call here. Number two, the Seahawks are now seven and three, George, and control mm-hmm. their own destiny in the NFC West. They will play the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, and the Washington football team over the next month. Those are all teams with losing records. Um, we've we just and I think as much as there's been a lot of pessimism about the Seahawks, there's also been the understanding that this was the hardest part of their schedule: going Cardinals, Rams, um, Bills, Cardinals again. This was the hardest part of the schedule. And here we are, seven and three still with a load of injuries, uh, with bad play from Russell Wilson the last three weeks and before this. And now we go play four below 500 teams. And if you come out of those three and one, even, you're talking an 11 and four football team. Yeah. If, I mean, like you said, that put us at 11 and four, which would put us in a perfect position to go out. And not just win the division, but be competing for that number one overall seed in the NFC, which is so crucial this year because there's only one team with a bye week, possibly zero teams, depending on multiple things. Obviously, this team in the history of their franchise have never lost a game at Lumen Field. So just getting that big Lumen Field guy, big Lumen Field guy, that home field advantage will be just crucial. I, I I couldn't be happier after two weeks where the Seahawks just look flat a game against the Cardinals earlier in the year where they look flat. I feel like we went back to our identity, which I know I've been harping on it. I know we let Russ cook a little bit here today, but we ran the football and we ran the football well. And I don't know why my TV just turned on right when I said that for no reason. But we ran the ball while Carlos Hyde looked good. And we just looked like when Chris Carson comes back, we're a team with an identity. We can run the ball. We can pass the ball. Can I dare to say our defense actually looked okay at times today? Like everything was just clicking. Yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful, I guess my first like topic or pose of questions despite not being a perfect defense today was that Seahawks defense looked like they had an extra amount of like passion and fire. And that's missing Dunbar and missing Griffin. Um, You know, Trey flowers guarding Deandre Hopkins, which 
I could have guessed was going to be a little bit of a tough one. This we're talking a Seahawks defense that kind of came out with a little bit of a a little bit of a vengeance. Twenty one points for the Seahawks defense, considering what we've had. That's I like a overall ranked offense in the NFL heading into this game. That that's like a stellar off against a stellar offense. That's a stellar defensive performance by the Seahawks. Yeah, and for the most part, they kept they kept Kyler Murray under wraps from getting out of the pocket. Like you, they didn't like let Kyler, Kyler Murray didn't like have a bad game or anything. But he didn't go run around and do all this crazy stuff. We kind of contained him, and we kind of forced him to stay in the pocket. And we, especially in the red zone, that last defensive possession was unbelievable. That was a, that last defensive possession and last stand was the best defensive moment of our season. Yeah. Um, and we have to mention opening up here, the podcast is that Carlos Dunlap's last sack was kind of the reason that we got him. Right. I think it was the much needed pass rush pressure that we haven't had the entire season. And you got it on a big play end of the game to win the game. Carlos Dunlap comes out big, has a sack to end the game. And it wasn't just a sack, like a chase round sack. Kyler Murray didn't even see it coming. It was that type of play. And to us, that's huge, especially for defense, like I said, that's missing Dunlap and Griffin right now. And, you know, we don't have the best corners in football. We are in a situation where we really came out and gave up only 21 points and had a put ourselves in a place to win. And, and that's with our offense not playing out of its mind. We had drop touchdowns by DK Metcalf. We had some miscues. We had our uh, we had our couple bad plays, like a bubble screen on third down in the fourth quarter. Um, when you're trying to win the trying to win the game, but it was an amazing performance to see the Seahawks come out of nowhere and have a great defensive performance. And it all goes back to kind of the what we've done this year, adding pieces like Carlos Dunlap, which was necessary. Yeah, and I mean, the, the only reason we gave up 21 points was penalties, too, right? If we kind of honed down on some dumb penalties, we might have gave up 14 points. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Dunlap, Dunlap has already paid off. Um, there was a game, what, two weeks ago where he had a sack and a tackle for a loss. He, he had, what, two sacks tonight? I believe two. Um, it's looking better than Clowney. Yeah, and uh, can, you explain, can you explain to me something? Yeah. How did the Cardinals fall start so many times without, without, home, without us having a home field advantage? Like, like is, that goes to show, uh, despite everyone wanting – Ken Norton Jr. fired, except for a couple people with podcasts, namely you and I. He put up some good defensive schemes. Yeah, they gave up an easy touchdown at one point of the game. But the false starts, the movement, he confused them a little bit. I mean, that just goes to show some adjustments have been made. In the last couple weeks, last week the defense didn't look too bad. The week before the defense didn't look too bad. And as I can tell you right now, the defense looks very good today. Yeah, it is. Uh, honestly, everything that happened today was just exactly what we were looking for, and I'm happy about it. And I got a comment here from Anthony Graham. Shout out to Anthony, uh, former assistant coach of mine in high school at Sammamish High School. So shout out. Said Schneider, GM of the year, piecing this thing together. Now, I've been known for bitching about John Schneider this year. Actually, today, namely. I was like, the job's yeah. not done. The, he's He's, you know... Our defense is so bad, he didn't get the right pieces. Well, the pieces like Dunlap with a team that was missing Griffin and Dunbar, 
um, actually slowed down the best offense in the NFL in, in whatever he did, because there is no crowd noise, right? Whatever their defensive scheme they, they came up with and whatever pieces that were good on our defense caused a lot of these offense, these false starts, right? It has to be the pressure that we were putting on them. It, it wasn't just the Cardinals in a quiet stadium being like, I'm going to not snap the football. Yeah. And the way we've been, like you said, we've been piecing this together, not even just a defensive and even on the offensive end, having Lewis play center, he's never played center before in his whole entire life. Like, I feel like this team is super glued patched together and somehow we're, we're seven and three. And I've, there's probably been no one who's been bitching more than me about like where this, the direction of this franchise defensively. We've been really good. And like, we held Kyler Murray to under 30 yards rushing, and now he's 1-8-1 in his career in games he's rushed under 30 yards. So it goes to show if you can contain him and keep him in the pocket, you could really, really do a good job uh, of slowing down that offense that's so potent. And like you said, Trey Flowers on DeAndre Hopkins, like that looks like ma- that should be a matchup nightmare. And instead, I mean, I would say we held DeAndre Hopkins to, to look – average today like he didn't have he didn't hurt us as much as he usually hurts most people yeah he didn't kill us i mean there was certain points where i was like okay this might be a problem but then it ended up not being a problem and trey flowers has been a little bit better than people give him credit for i know like bashing trey flowers is kind of like a fun common thing that people do right it's like a seattle uh thing to do and i do it too so i'm not even saying it and it's like oh no trey flowers out there like we do it, but I think he actually did a pretty good job. Whatever defensive scheme we had come going on was fine. And the reason I've been in the field of don't fire Ken Norton, let me just like talk about that for a second. The main reason I was on that pace a lot of the time saying, don't fire him, don't fire him, let him be. is because of one reason. One is because this is a Pete Carroll led defense. Yep. Ken Norton doesn't have free range on the defense. I mean, like, that'd be like saying a Sean off Sean Payton offense, like fire the offensive coordinator. Like, no, actually you don't. Or Bill Belichick. No, actually a lot of it has to do with him. Um, I'm, I'm just going to assume I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the office. I'm assuming that Ken Norton, I'm assuming that Ken Norton is not, it's not like, Hey Pete back up. This is my defense. I'm just, just an assumption. So guess what? With a great defensive coach, like Pete Carroll, in a quarterback like Russell Wilson, eventually they figure it out, and I think they did today. Not only did we figure it out, we look like a team that if this gets better and we get healthy, that this is a season where the NFC is wide open. If you tell me who's the best team in the NFC heading into today. I mean, a lot of people had the Saints, and then Drew Brees then, got hurt. A lot of people have Tampa Bay. Jameis, their quarterback's gone. The Buccaneers, yep. they have a 42-year-old quarterback. The Packers will look great one game and look horrible the next. Frankly, it looked like heading into this week, the best team in the NFC was either Arizona or the Rams, and we beat them. We just beat the Yeah, uh, and I think it might have to be the Rams, right? And now, speaking of that, George, I think that's a great point question that you phrased and i think anthony has a great question you're saying easiest schedule in the league the rest of the way expectations now you know me i'm a pretty open expectation guy i'm like i, I call the loss actually the day of i call the win for the bills but season predictions i call the loss to the 
to the Rams and the Bills and the Cardinals to start the year. Those are the first three losses, I said, because we're not going to go 16 and up, right? Here, here's the remainder of our schedule, George. We have a long break. We don't play till Monday night football next week. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, against the Eagles. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go win, loss, win, loss, but I'm just going to, based off of the season so far. Yeah. It's I mean, you have the, you know why it's the, funny? Because on Sports Center, right in front of me on my TV right now is our schedule. They just put it up there. It's Eagles, which should be a win. The mm-hmm. Giants should be a win. I'm not saying we're going to win all these, but should be a win. Jets should be a win. The Washington football team should be a win. And then you have Rams, Niners. I'm going to say Niners should be a win. I, I, honestly, at home, you should split with the Rams. Yeah. So I would not be. According to ESPN, sorry, the you know the win percentage or win P, uh, PI or whatever, we're favored over 50% to win every one of those games. I would not be shocked, just like we started the year 5-0, and I wouldn't be shocked if we go on a 6-7-0 or and run to end the season. And that is not because I think we are the most dominant team in the NFL that we've ever seen or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, we do have our flaws, but I think we're a team that will get better as the year goes because the defense could not have gotten any worse than they were. It's only can go better. Russell Wilson played better, and he's doing the right things. And frankly, our schedule is just pretty easy. So what would you say? Like we have, what, six games remaining now? Yeah. What would be your best case or worst case scenario? Like I would be – I'd say worst case scenario is four and two out of those games, just looking at that schedule. Yeah, I would say four and two with losses to the Rams and Washington. Um, the only reason Washington is their pass rush is amazing. Um, it's a long flight. Um, Alex Smith could randomly have a good game. Their defense is actually not that bad. Um, and the Rams are just a good football team. So I'd say worst case, four and two, like you said. And realistically, best case, if we can beat the Rams, I wouldn't be shocked with a 6-0 and end to the season. Actually, 7-0 and considering this game. So that's where I'm at. I got lost for a second. I I don't know what happened. I've disappeared into another planet. Uh, but I'm back. Um, four and two, I think, would be the best case scenario. Worst, Worst case. case scenario. Yeah, and best case, six and zero. Oh. Like, or seven and zero oh with today is what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, or seven and zero oh with today. Yeah, and I, I will say this. And there's one thing we we talked a lot about the defense. Um, one thing I will mention is Russ. This is my offensive comment outside of the fact that DK Metcalf needs to figure out what's going on with his hands. Is Russ stopped throwing the stupid lobs? Because <laughs> seven of those seven picks, uh, maybe six out of the seven, came from some stupid lobs instead of taking. It was kind of like the Carson Wentz syndrome where I don't want to take this sack and I'm just going to throw the ball up. Today, there was twice where he took a two yard loss sack and I had never been happier from seeing a sack. Cause I was like, he could have thrown that up in the air like he's been doing recently, but instead he decided to take a two yard loss or dive forward to make it a one yard loss rather than throwing those dumb lobs. And now you see a Russell Wilson that looks like the Russell Wilson, you know, as I seen on a tweet, Russell Wilson was fixed today. Yeah, and you know what fixed it, in my opinion, the most of that run game, being able to run the football, being able to get yards on the ground, scar- scor- scar- or as our good friend. Mo Scarborough. Called him Sourdough. Uh, yeah, he was like, when does Sourdough guy show up? <laughs> um, 
remember him. He was really good at Alabama. I'm surprised. I thought he was going to be a better pro, and he looked like one today. And unfortunately, it looked like he got hurt there towards the end of a game. Don't know what the like severity. potential torn hamstring or something. It looked bad. Yeah, I don't know the severity of the injury or anything like that. But with him and Hyde running the way they did and being able to control – we kept the defense honest, right? And that that's why Russell Wilson didn't throw picks. That's why Russell Wilson didn't turn over the ball. When you can keep the defense honest, they can't put just, you know, drop eight back in coverage. They got to play – they have to, you know, stack the box a little bit, and that gives the opportunity of not turning over the football. So um, I think we had no turnovers today, right? Zero. I know we put one on the ground towards the end of the game and we recovered it, but uh, I think we had quite close. Yeah, quite close. And uh, Sammy, I forgot to mention one thing I thought was really important. We had the first ever in my life that I remember, at least again with the Seahawks, the holding in the end zone resulting into a safety. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Um, I was very excited to see that holding call. Um, it's rare to see a holding in the end zone. It's rare for that to happen in an NFL football game. And it was a moment in the game that kind of put me at ease because I think it was a three-point game or it might have been a two-point game, actually. Sorry, right? And it put us in a position to be in a four-point game where I was like, okay, field goal doesn't kill us anymore. And it was quite the, uh, I don't know, quite the exciting moment knowing that, wow, this safety might have kept us winning this game. And I think outside of that safety for the Seahawks in general, I despite Diggs having that one awful play where he, you know, ran into the receiver a little late, I just loved seeing the passion and the energy on that Seahawks defense, the big hits dig had one digs had one earlier. Um, the way they were fighting for the ball, the way they were attacking Murray, not letting him run around, not letting him go all over the place. Like he usually does in the red zone. Uh, I, I don't remember who I was talking to, but it was somebody, one of my good friends. Um, and they were like, Kyler Murray can't throw the ball in the, in the, in the red zone. And I thought about it and really he doesn't. A lot of his touchdowns are on those weird sweet pressures in the end zone. And that's what usually gets them. But the Seahawks defense had, defense had the right energy and the right, you know, uh, the right movement that it, it just worked out perfectly. So it was really exciting to see the Seahawks defense do what they did. Uh, the schedule is coming out is really easy. Um, and I, I think we're going to, we're really going to win out potentially. Um, I am looking really forward to these next couple weeks and the reason is if the seahawks are as good as they look today and i think they are because arizona's probably the best test you can have if they're as good as we saw today you shouldn't lose to any of these teams with the rams being the only possible team to lose to so we could see a great ending to the seahawks season we can see a huge momentum shift um and we can see an opportunity where the Seahawks put themselves potentially at a number one seed in the NFC. And I'm not just talking about the NFC West. I'm talking about the NFC. Um, and that would give you a bye week in the playoffs. And there's nothing more the Seahawks can use than, than to get a bye week and have some, uh, have some guys rest up and maybe get healthy. Let's go through the standings, though. Because I think the standings, and I know we lost George for a second here, but uh, 
he said his power went out for a second and it just came back. So he's going to be a moment and he'll pop back into the stream. But if we go through the NFC standings, now this is where it gets exciting today. Um, the Seahawks are right back in the mix. And actually, as of today, they're sitting in third, third place tied with Tampa Bay with only the Packers and Saints ahead of them at seven and two with us at six and three. So here's what we hope for. Whatever you're watching this week, you hope for a New Orleans Saints loss and a Green Bay Packers loss. And if you get a Los Angeles Rams loss as well, the Seahawks are sitting in first place. Now, we don't need them all to lose this week. Whatever. If they don't lose this week, they don't lose this week. But with losses in the next couple of weeks and the Seahawks having an easy schedule, there's a great chance to fall right back into first place in the NFC. And now the beauty of this too is Tampa Bay plays the Rams this weekend. So there's nothing better that we could see than a Rams loss to Tampa Bay. That'll put us in first in the NFC West, and we're still ahead of Tampa Bay in the NFC standings. And then just get a loss from the Saints or Packers just to move us into second and keep this flowing. Um, all I want is this defense to continue to get better. They are getting better. They have been getting better. We saw it today. And that is what is the most exciting about what I saw today. So, last but not least, DK Metcalf's drops. Now, we see this happen once in a while, and we see it with DK Metcalf, not with Tyler Lockett, really. I'm more of a vet, but, you know, our expectations are so high with DK Metcalf that it makes it hard to see these type of drops. But we got to remember, he's in his second year. We're not in a year five, year six DK Metcalf. We're talking about a guy who's in his early 20s. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's 22 years old. I mean, this guy hasn't even <laughs> passed 22. So, I mean, we're, we're talking an extremely young in his 20s type of guy that is going to make mistakes here and there. And he was not a highly touted receiver out of college. He was seen as a meme. People were laughing because he was just this funny meme of being this extremely buff guy that we've never seen before. Um, and he made it out and he, he made it to the Seahawks. The Seahawks were excited about it to get Russell Wilson a big body and it worked perfectly for us. So I think with this, these DK Metcalf drops big moments, he's 22 years old. It's only a second year. I don't think any of these phase him, which is a great key to all this. He seems like it doesn't, doesn't let it phase him. And he has a guy like Russell Wilson. That's not going to let it phase him. And he's only going to continue to get better and better and better as the years go. And I wouldn't be worried about DK Metcalf one bit. Um, just, just keep throwing the ball to him. With Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, the Seahawks are set up for many, many years to come. The remainder schedule, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, get a lot of good wins here. And put ourselves in an amazing position to be in first place. Um, on top of all that, like I said, Diggs and Dunlap, love to see it. Um, whatever, you know, I, I think there's been a lot of talk this week about the defense and Pete Carroll, two big things. Is Pete Carroll hurting us the way he was coaching? Is the defense the real issue? None of it seems to be a big issue coming out of today the way the team's energy was, the way the defense came out, the play calling, 
there was one questionable one, which was that bubble screen on third and whatever it was in the fourth quarter. Um, in general, it's exciting to see what the Seahawks are doing. It's exciting to see the coaching is getting better on the defensive end. And I see more wins coming And I guess talking about the playoffs in, in the seating as we were, you know, when you look at all the seating, none of it's that intimidating when we talk playoffs potential, I'm not concerned when it comes to the playoffs and, and it's, it's a blessing of course. And George is back. Thank you. The power went out shortly. Um, I kind of recap some of the offense and defense and went through the standings, George and the Seahawks in the NFC sit at seven and three right behind the Packers and saints. And that's yeah. it. And the Rams are shortly after them, but the Rams play the Buccaneers and the Buccaneers are right after us. A Seahawks win, which we did today or a Buccaneers win. And then a loss from Green Bay and New Orleans puts you in first place. And I'm not saying they have to lose this week, but a loss in general. Well, how about the Rams? They play at Tampa Bay. So, but are they, they're what, six and three while we're seven and three? Are they half game back of us? Yeah, and they're a half game back at Tampa Bay. So, we're really rooting for a Tampa Bay win here because we're ahead of Tampa Bay. All right, cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I mean, it's, I, I hate looking ahead, but with the schedule that we have and we all do it, you look ahead. You do. You have to. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's exciting, and I, I missed a lot of stuff there, but it was kind of weird. So for those listening to the podcast, the power went out, except the hallway had power. I think it was just my unit, something like it turned off for literally one minute and then turned back on. Just being haters. That's it. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't want to hear my uh, – I don't even know what we were talking about at the time. They didn't want to hear it. Some type of Seahawks rant. Um, well, George, I'll be a Cardinals fan who controls the uh, electricity here. Yeah, he's like, who's this guy? Why is he talking so much about them? Um, well, good news, George. Um, I'm excited to keep talking some Seahawks football, and I do want to mention. You know, I had the Seahawks minus three. That's one of my best bets today. And I bet that on betus.com. That's B-E-T-U-S.com. And I use the promo code the sports on tap, all one word for 125% bonus. So for those that are ready to bet some Seahawks, you can bet at betus.com and use the promo code the sports on tap. And maybe you'll win some money too. Perfect. No, uh I gave the promo code to someone today at the bar. I met, met a guy, and he actually fought, took our website name down. His name was, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but he's from St. Louis. Met him at the bar watching the first quarter of the Seahawks game. Irish pub here in Medellin. Um, for those listening to the podcast, I'm going to write about the whole experience about going out, trying to find a bar. There's actually multiple bars that were playing sports, uh, most of them playing replays of soccer, only one Irish pub. It's kind of weird. What gets Americans all to Irish pubs? There, it's all Americans there. There's a guy like a girl from Montana, a guy from St. Louis. The bar outside we had a projector and people were watching the game and everyone was speaking English. What is it about Irish pubs and Americans? Like we were like, oh, it's an Irish pub. Let's go. I don't know. It's, we like dive bars. That's it. Yeah, I think, I think that's what it is too. 
That's all. We like bars with not Americans don't like bars with really loud music. They want to be able to talk and have a TV. Yeah, that's it. We just want to watch the games. Yeah, no, it was cool. Um, I want to get into some tweets. Oh, I, go I ahead. Did lose my bet on bet us today at Tulane. Wait, did they have a minus six or six and a half? They won by six. Minus six. Okay, so I pushed. You sure did. Yep, they should, won Should have gone, gone with me, my friend. I know. Overtime, 30-24 Tulane. I'm glad that you spent time worrying about Tulane game today. No, I checked. Bird, do you want to do a couple of tweets before we go? Let's do it. I, I reduced our tweets from six to three just, to, just because, you know, we'll save some just like Seattle-oriented tweets for pure Seahawks, for pure Seattle pods. But I did want to mention a couple of things. JC got next, was throwing shade at the Seahawks on November 15th, last Sunday. Saying, no wonder why it was my birthday. No wonder why Seahawks hadn't had a single COVID case this year. We're social distancing in defense. I think he meant on defense. Well, JC's got next. Good tweet. But guess what? We no did better more. today. Yeah. I also like, let's social distance ourselves from Ken North. <laughs> um, I did want to mention, George, mm-hmm. your alma mater, the University of Washington, had a couple draft picks. So kids from Seattle, Tacoma, and Federal Way all got picked in the NBA draft in the first 46 picks. All right. So I know J- uh, McDaniels is from Federal Way. Where's the other, other guy? Who are the other guys? I have no idea because I think you're thinking like me. Isaiah Stewart's not from here. No, he's from what? Nevada? Mm, Georgia. Georgia. No idea. But that's nice. Oh, the guy from CJ, what's his name? From Wazoo's from... Uh, uh, CJ Ensbury, Elbury. Yeah. Is he mm. from Tacoma or Seattle? Uh, one of the two. I don't yeah. know who the other guy is. Oh, was the other guy USC kid maybe? No, that was last year. Kevin Porter. And that's back-to-back years? Uh, unless somebody, unless this guy was a little confused about the fact that Isaiah Tom Isaiah Stewart's not from Seattle. Yeah, or not. Maybe we just don't know who the third guy is. Yeah, I actually am a little... Uh... It might be okay on Seattle Times. Somebody mentioned. Um, I, I don't know if Seattle Times just puts up all these these things, but Vanderbilt guard Naismith. All right. Oh, is he related to the guy who invented basketball or no? I don't think so. It's from uh, Naismith. No, I don't think so. A little bit of different ethnicities there. Okay, <laughs> just wondered. Uh, I have no idea. I'll look into this more. Last but not least, George, COVID insane insanity at Costco. Oh, yeah. Did, did I put this one in? You sure did. Okay. I don't get it, dude. The whole entire – okay, what can you can you tell me what they're out of stock of? Out of toilet paper, paper towels, disinfectant wipes, and Kleenex products. Okay. I understand the disinfecting wipes. You want to disinfect this stuff. But we didn't learn through the first one that we don't need that much toilet paper. Like, I get it the first time. We ran out of toilet paper. It was like, okay, cool. Like, 
everyone fucking panicked and got toilet paper. But we didn't learn that we didn't need this much toilet paper. Um, like I've always said, here the issue with this is all these products being bought during coronavirus is I don't think it's fair because it's one person or a group of people deciding what we should all run to. And then once they start taking them, it just causes everyone else to be crazy. Yeah. So like, for example, this time people are like, and also we still have that preconceived notion of last time, like, Oh, we're about to run out of fucking toilet paper again. So the one guy's like, well, dude, we're about, everyone's going to fucking buy toilet paper. So I'm going to grab a bunch. And then someone walks by and is like, damn, they're starting to run out of toilet paper. Let me grab a bunch. So it's like, yeah, you're right. It's a domino effect. Like we really don't need all this toilet paper. I think our parents still have toilet paper left over from buying too much toilet paper on the first round of the lockdown. Yeah. Uh, I, I, unfortunately I went and bought some just to be that guy, but you know, I had to. Not saying it's a good thing, but it feels good that there is no lockdown here in uh, Medellin, Colombia, where I'm at. So, uh, plenty of toilet paper available for, for anyone who needs some. Hit me up. I got the hookup. You got the hookup, yeah. I don't know how much shipping would be. It doesn't matter if you're out of toilet paper and you need to shit. <laughs> I'll get it to you. Fair. I'll pay whatever. All right, George. Big win. Good day. These podcasts are all much more fun when it's a Seahawks win. Um, make sure you guys check us out. At on Seattle on all platforms, at poddad on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find us if you do the hashtag, hashtag pod that we'll talk about you. If you, if you ask us a question, send us a story, we'll talk about them on the pod. So, toilet, or if you need toilet paper sent from Colombia, just I need toilet paper from Colombia, hashtag pod that. Yeah, George will help you out. <laughs> Autograph uh, toilet paper. Sure will. Much love, and uh, we'll be back Sunday night with just our NFL pod after all the games. Perfect. Find us then. Big win. Beautiful win. Sammy, I I know they didn't get the win on your birthday, but today made up for a lot of it. Oh, it sure did. It made up for all of it. Much love. This is That Being Said Podcast, the Seattle Super Pod Edition. And this is the Sports on Tap, and this is Sports Radio. Redefine. Peace. Thanks for tuning in, y'all.